BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So a lot, a lot going on. Nancy Pelosi is delivering the articles of impeachment to the Senate. Kevin McCarthy gave a long speech uh, 15, 20 minutes ago talking about how this is just, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) a a witch hunt. Right. The people who are going to handle the impeachment have been named Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler, Zoe Lofgren. Hakeem Jeffries, Val Demings, Jason Crow, and Sylvia Garcia. Some of these folks, you know, most of us are not all that familiar with. For me, uh, Garcia and Crow, I frankly don't know anything about them. Zoe Lofgren, I believe, was in Congress during Bill Clinton's impeachment, but I may be wrong on that. But I think she's been around for quite a while. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. But in the meantime, as the Senate gets ready for the trial, Mitch McConnell has put into place another layer of cover-up. They're going to make it almost impossible for reporters to report on the impeachment trial. If nobody reports, you know, it's the old, if tree falls in the woods and no one hears it, does it make a sound? Well, you know, if, if the Senate holds a trial and there are no reporters in the Senate, do we know anything about the trial? If the only way we can watch the trial is on C-SPAN. This is uh, breaking news. It's just, it's kind of electrifying Capitol Hill and the Washington Press Corps right now. Catherine Tully McManus wrote a piece about it for Roll Call. The headline, Impeachment Trial Security Crackdown Will Limit Capitol Press Access. The Senate Sergeant at Arms and Capitol Police are launching an unprecedented crackdown on the Capitol Press Corps for the impeachment trial of Donald Trump. Unprecedented? Absolutely. There was no limiting of the press during the Clinton impeachment. So what are they going to do? They're basically saying that reporters may not come into the Senate during the impeachment hearing. They may not interact with the members of the Senate. They can't follow people around. They can't ask them questions. They can't go on the floor. There is going to be a press pen, they're calling it, on the second floor of the Senate, kind of out of sight and out of mind, And if a reporter wants to be in the Senate, in the Capitol building during the impeachment, they have to stay in that press pen and they have to be escorted to it and from it. This is mind boggling. There's a group of reporters who are all credentialed in the House and Senate. They've been through the security checks and and everything, right? They're just regular reporters who regularly show up there. And they have this group called the Standing Committee of Correspondents, which is kind of their trade association, as it were. And they are screaming about this. They just said that this was done without any explanation of how the restrictions might contribute to safety rather than simply limit coverage of the trial. Well, obviously, it's intended to limit coverage of the trial. It's just very straightforward stuff. Meanwhile, we're discovering, I mean, just insane stuff that came out of out of this uh, release of Lev Parnas's uh, iPhone and uh, you know text messages. The star of the show seems to be this guy, Robert Hyde, H-Y-D-E, who lives in Connecticut, but spends a lot of time down in Florida. Remember the, uh, the Chinese woman, and I mean, you know, literally from China, who owned some massage parlors down in Florida that I think she owned one of the ones that one of Trump's buddies got busted at and a prostitution hit and all this kind of stuff. She was introduced to Donald Trump 
at Mar-a-Lago by another Mar-a-Lago member, and that's this guy Robert Hyde. And he's the one who was texting with Lev Parnas, and he was keeping Lev Parnas up to date on where Marie Yovanovitch was. Marie Yovanovitch was our ambassador in Ukraine to Ukraine. And Lev Parnas, of course, was you know one of these Lev and Igor, these two Ukrainian-born, now American citizens, who were arrested trying to flee the country on one-way tickets out of the country. And now he has been charged with funneling several hundred thousand dollars from Russia into the Trump campaign, which is illegal. So that's what he got busted for. And he's trying to get out of the charges by saying, well, here's the information. And it's some kind of a mob hit or something. I mean, it's just, uh, which is what Mimi Rokha, the uh, former federal prosecutor, called it on MSNBC last night. But this is, uh, Robert Hyde, this is just an amazing story. Over at Yahoo News, uh, there's uh, Catherine Garcia uh, wrote, uh, you know, about how Natasha Bertrand was saying, you know, the, this certainly makes it sound like Parnas and company were actively tracking Yovanovitch's movements. And then Mimi Roca says, as a former mafia prosecutor, this sure sounds like a mob hit was being planned on a public servant in a foreign country by associates of Donald Trump. It was Donald Trump who told the president of Ukraine that Maria Yovanovitch was going to go through some things. Right. So here's Robert Hyde is uh, texting with Lev Parnas, you know, exactly where she is and, you know, she's in the building or she's not in the building. And uh, one of the texts said that security forces are, quote, willing to help get rid of Yovanovitch, quote, if we slash you would like a price. In other words, all we have to do, you know, we got some people who are willing to kill her or kidnap her or harm her in some way. If you want me to ask them how much they would charge for that. That's what, this is just crazy stuff. Robert Hyde, by the way, this, this is a, a story over at Mother Jones by Matt Cohen. Uh, the headline, new figure in Ukraine scandal was taken into police custody at Trump Resort last year. This is Robert F. Hyde. He's, he's running for Congress in Connecticut as a Trump candidate. He's 40 years old. He has donated tens of thousands of dollars to Trump. He's, he's tried to set himself up as a lobbyist in Washington, D.C., or at least down at uh, Trump's properties. He's got all kinds of pictures of himself with Trump, with Ivanka, with Don Jr., with Eric, with Mike Pence, Jim Jordan, Roger Stone, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He did PR work for this woman who owned the massage parlors. There's this 2019 police report that Mother Jones got, and quoting from the article about it, that Hyde had a disturbing episode at a Trump resort for which he had to be taken into custody by police and brought to a medical facility under a state law that allows for involuntary confinement. In one of Hyde's text messages, to uh, Parnas. This is from Hyde. This is a very dark tone from these things. One said, it's confirmed we have a person inside. He's talking about Ivanovich. And then another text message says, guess you can do anything in the Ukraine with money. Right. So what happened was this was a, a police report that was filed on May 16th of last year. It said about seven months ago. And he told a police officer, this is from the police report, quote, yeah, he reported to the police officer, quote, he was in fear for his life, was set up, and a hitman was out to get him. Mr. Hyde spoke about emails he sent that may have placed his life in jeopardy. Now, this all happened right after he was corresponding with Lev Parnas about putting a hit on or, or something on, Marie, on Ambassador Yovanovitch. He told the police that he sent an email, and because of that, a hitman was coming to get him. Mr. Hyde, again, from the police report, Mr. Hyde spoke about emails he had sent that may have placed his life in jeopardy. Mr. Hyde explained several times that he was paranoid that someone was out to get him. 
Mr. Hyde continued to act paranoid, telling us not to stop next to certain vehicles. He explained that he was scared due to several painting workers and landscape workers trying to do harm to him because they weren't working. Mr. Hyde further explained his computer was being hacked by the Secret Service and went on to further explain that the Secret Service was arriving on the premises and watching him. A couple of weeks after this, this was May 16th, a couple of weeks later, he posted to his own Instagram account that he had been Baker Acted. Now, the Baker Act is a law in Florida that allows the police to stick you in jail or in a mental hospital, typically actually a mental hospital, without your consent if they determine that you represent a threat to yourself or to others because of mental illness. Hyde is a former Marine. He, he wrote in this Instagram post that he had been placed into a facility where mental, emotional, and physical self were pushed. I am not a traitor or a colluder or a conspiracy theorist. F you and your intelligence agencies or whatever or whoever was or is effing with me, he wrote on Instagram. E-F-F-I-N-G. And then he tweeted, the media is against me because they're compl either complicit or have a hand in it. Last month, by the way, uh, he, he got some bad press for posting a crude and sexist tweet about Kamala Harris. But this guy who has you know, raised a lot of money for Donald Trump, got a lot of pictures with him and Trump and the entire Trump family. I mean, this is just like bizarre stuff. And I see no evidence that the attorney general has said, you know, we need to look into this. Or for that matter, Mike Pompeo, the head of the State Department, he's, he's, he's Marie Yovanovitch's boss, or was, you know, was until she, she left office. And he's not out there saying, no, no, we want to protect our ambassadors. I mean, this thing stinks. This is like, you know, we made jokes years, you know, a couple of years ago when Trump was elected about his involvement with the mafia in New York, you know, building his building and stuff. But this is like, this guy is behaving like a mob boss, or at least the people under him are. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Defending America from the conservative weapons of mass deception. Tom Hartman here right with you. You know, they always say, new year, new me. Really, it's new year, new wrinkles. With every passing year, we all look older, but now that's all changed thanks to Plexiderm Rapid Reduction Serum. It's magic in a bottle. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. Simply apply this powerful serum to problem areas, and within minutes, voila, a new, younger you. And the best part? No surgery or Botox. It's all natural. Simply put, I'm blown away by the results. Ring in 2020 with Plexiderm for smoother, younger skin look, looking skin in minutes. And it goes on clear so nobody even knows you're using it. Leave your under eye bags and wrinkles behind with Plexiderm. Go to Plexiderm.com and use my code HARTMAN with two ends at the end for 50% off plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-741-7998. Again, that's 1-800-741-7998. Or visit Plexiderm.com today and use the code Hartman at checkout. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us, the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, the big cheese progressive who uh, coincidentally represents Wisconsin in the U.S. House of Representatives. Congressman Pocan, welcome back. Oh, thanks, Tom. Glad to be here. There's so much in the news. The stuff that I just mentioned, plus this morning, Nancy Pelosi announced who would be the House managers of the impeachment. We've got Sylvia Garcia, Jason Crow, Val Demings, Hakeem Jeffries, Zoe Lufkin, Jerry Nadler, and of course, Adam Schiff. I'm curious your thoughts on any or all of it. First of all, sending over the articles allows the Senate to begin their process, but I'm very glad that Nancy Pelosi held them back as long as she did, because a lot of additional information did come out, and hopefully we'll have a more fair trial in the Senate uh, because of what she did. And now, um, you know, with the managers, four of the seven, by the way, Tom, are members of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. So cool. we're happy to see that. You know, this is now the moment for the Senate to prove whether they're going to take this seriously or not. So far, signs haven't been great. They're really blocking the press out in a very substantial way in the Senate for this process. 
But the good news is the American people are really getting this. You know, you look at the polling, people understand that if anyone else in the country did something wrong and you had a witness who could say that you didn't do it, that you actually had someone to verify your innocence, you would have that witness testify. And the fact that they still can't do that in the Senate shows that it doesn't pass the smell test that most of the rest of the country lives by rather than people inside the beltway. So Donald Trump is failing on this. I think uh, how Mitch McConnell handles this uh, could even be furthering our case. But even today, as you mentioned, more information has come out, and I think it's becoming harder and harder for people just to look the other way. Yeah. Last night was the debate. What were your thoughts on what you saw in the debate? Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, and to be fair, Tom Steyer, I thought, had some really good points, too, that on the progressive side of things, uh, made some very strong cases. I thought that this whole hype about a fight among the left that many uh, corporate special interests in Washington are dying to have didn't occur. I thought it kind of went up and down very quickly. And you watched uh, people who respect each other from a policy perspective continue to talk about those issues. And I think that's important moving forward because we are now weeks away from Iowa. And who wins Iowa and New Hampshire uh, leading into Nevada and South Carolina and the rest of the country is going to be really important, especially on some answers around trade and things. I think it might have illustrated a few more of the differences among the candidates. I was very impressed. And I think, you know, increasingly we're seeing that there are two clear progressives on that stage. And we'll see where this goes. So let's pick up some phone calls here. Daylon, am I saying that right, in Madison, Wisconsin? Daylon. Daylon. Okay, what's up? Congressman Polkan, I follow you on the issues, and it, it appears that the candidate that represents your beliefs the most is Senator Sanders. And I noticed that you haven't made an endorsement yet. And I think that you would be uh, an ex- excellent surrogate and add incredible value to his campaign. So my question is, um, why have you not endorsed Senator Sanders yet, and will you be willing to endorse him? Thank you. First of all, I have enormous respect for Senator Sanders. I think many of the issues that we are as a country talking about now were things that Bernie Sanders talked about four and eight and 12 years ago, and he really was ahead of his time on talking about many of these issues that now are central to the political debate. I have enormous respect for Elizabeth Warren as well, but there is no question, you know, um, when you look at Wisconsin, Dalen, as you know, Bernie Sanders, when he ran four years ago, won 71 out of 72 counties and got nearly three out of every four young voters and three out of every four independent voters who voted in the Democratic primary. And that's pretty powerful. You're trying to win a state like Wisconsin or Michigan or Pennsylvania. uh, That kind of support is going to be really important. So I am going to be endorsing before our primary. I'm not going to necessarily say the timing today, but I think, you know, we will be uh, looking very closely at this. But enormous respect for Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Absolutely moving forward. Lawrence in Washington, D.C. You're on the air with Congressman Pokian. I heard you mention earlier that President Trump is not bringing any witnesses or, or something to that effect. And I'd like to just point out that in this particular case, he's the defendant. He doesn't have to do anything. If he doesn't want to bring a witness, that's his prerogative. It's up to the prosecutor, I guess in this case the House, to make their case. And if they do it, fine, but he doesn't have to bring any witnesses to show that he didn't do it. It's up to them to prove that he did. Yeah, Lawrence, that will be the talking point that uh, Fox News will make in the coming weeks. The problem with that is the facts of the situation. When the president had a chance to do that in the House, he refused to participate in the process and didn't have any witnesses. And the only reason you wouldn't have a witness that says you're innocent is because you don't have anyone who can actually say that when they uh, swear an oath that they could be put in jail for lying. So he clearly doesn't have anyone to put out any truth that he is innocent and all the facts clearly show differently. Now in the Senate, it will be up to Mitch McConnell and others to try to make a case for the president. But right now, the case that's been made has impeached the president. That was the vote out of the House of Representatives. Hopefully, senators will take this seriously and not just rubber stamp what the president wants. But when Mitch McConnell said he's going to work hand in hand with the White House on this trial, that is not fair. No one believes that. And across America, people believe you need to have witnesses. And if you don't have a witness that says you're innocent, 
you're probably not innocent. So, Lawrence, I think your talking point will be repeated often on Fox News. Problem is thinking people will probably not buy it. Well, and also the partial transcript of his conversation with Ukrainian President Zelensky. He comes right out and says, when Zelensky says, we'd like to buy these weapons to protect ourselves from the, the Russians who are in our country now, Trump says, I want a favor, though. Uh, do us a favor, words to that effect. You would think that he would have to have an explanation for saying that. Right. Common sense, Tom, right? I mean, yeah. if you or I got accused of a crime, we're at a gas station and someone said we didn't pay for our gas, and someone clearly saw us put our car to the machine and make an attempt, you're going to want that person to be able to say, no, I saw them, they actually did this. Right. You wouldn't not have anyone come forward. So in real America, where you can be prosecuted for crimes, that would happen. In the current White House we have, where the Department of Justice says you can't indict a sitting president, uh, this is the process that we have, and clearly the president doesn't have anyone who can say he's innocent. So that alone should be, for common sense across the country, the biggest thing it says the president acted improperly, plus the multitude of evidence that was brought forward that got the impeachment vote in the House, and now we'll see how those things get brought up in the Senate. But if the Senate brushes this off and makes this a fake trial, I think this will really hurt Donald Trump and Senate Republicans in the long run. Yeah, it's called mounting a defense for a reason. Dan, yeah. in Prairie Duchenne, or Duchenne, Wisconsin, I'm not sure how to pronounce your town. Duchenne. Duchenne, thank you. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Is there any possibility for Al Franken and or Russ Feingold to return to politics? That's a good question, Dan. You know, I'll tell you, four years ago, had we not had a 250,000 Dem voter drop off in Wisconsin because I think of a lack of attention from the national ticket. You know, you know the, the presidential nominee never came back to Wisconsin after the primaries. Russ Feingold would be U.S. senator from Wisconsin. He was ahead in every single poll against Ron Johnson, and only because the drop-off of votes that happened. Mal Franken, I'm enjoying his podcast right now. I don't know if he'll have a return, but you mentioned a couple of those populist progressives from the Midwest, and, you know, I think that populist progressive message is what we need going into November. It would be great to have both of them back. Absolutely. It really would. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us for the hour, taking your calls. He's the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He represents the 2nd District of Wisconsin in the U.S. House of Representatives. His website is pocan.house.gov, and you can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. Paul in Lucerne, California. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Is there going to be an investigation about the latest email resolution about Rudy Giuliani and Les Parnas? talking about how they're actually spying on the ambassador, they're keeping her under surveillance, and you could actually have her killed for a price. I mean, this is the president's attorney talking to someone about having an ambassador killed. And I, I read this on Democracy Now!, so I, I take a lot of faith in this. I, I believe this to be true. This is alarming. This is. And I, I want to know if there's going to be an investigation over this, because this this is... I've never even read about anything like this. Yeah, Paul, I agree. I mean, it's very alarming. And again, this is all information that we might not have gotten had Nancy Pelosi not held up the articles of impeachment. So once again, that was a, a very smart decision. But I'm sure the committees are going to continue doing the oversight that they absolutely need to do on this president uh, as we move forward. Uh, this is now the final step of the process for the impeachment. But that doesn't stop the at least six committees in the House from doing the work that they need to do from the emoluments clause to the president's taxes to uh, continued violations that are coming up through this other investigation. So, Paul, my hope is that this will all be happening, and it absolutely should. Rob in Mesa, Arizona, watching Free Speech TV. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. I have a question on provisional ballots, but before I say that, I just, just realized that if this president gets elected again, he might be the first president to be impeached twice. My uh, question is on uh, provisional ballots and what's going on with the voter suppression. And is there anything happening at the federal level to basically require states <clears throat> to do follow-ups on provisional ballots to basically tell you if your vote counted and if it did not, why? I'm just concerned that, you know, they're going to hand out a bunch of provisionals and they, no one will be counted. Yeah, Rob, we've passed a few measures from H.R. 1 to some very specific 
voting measures and sent them to the Senate. And as is happening all too often, Mitch McConnell is sitting on them and not allowing them up for a vote. And uh, that's the concern. So you're not going to see, I don't think, this legislation necessarily moving from Mitch McConnell, which means we won't have some extra federal safeguards. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do things at the local and state level to still try to have those safeguards and states, especially where you can. You should be moving to get those measures in place. But I am not hopeful when it comes to Mitch McConnell doing any bit of the right thing in the months to come, even though this should be a complete no-brainer and nonpartisan. Provisional ballots were invented essentially by the Help America Vote Act of 2002. Do these pieces of legislation essentially amend that? I would have to go back and check because we passed that one almost a year ago, I think, Mm -hmm. Tom. Um, So I'd have to double-check on provisional ballots specifically, but there were a whole lot of other measures affecting fair elections that were included in both of the two major bills that we did pass out of the House. Hey, we have a new video up over at TomHarbin.com for supporters of our program, and it's about the state representative, Timothy Gintner, in Ohio who has proposed legislation It actually passed the House of Representatives in Ohio, HB 164. It's now going to the Senate, where there are 33 senators, nine of them Democrats. This legislation, to ask a student, say you're a science teacher, and you were to ask a student the question like, does the sun rotate around the Earth? Is the Earth the center of the universe? And the student said yes. You would have to grade the answer as correct because the student might belong to some cult that believes that the Earth is at the center of the universe. Seriously. Religion trumps science in the classroom. It is getting so weird out there. Anyhow, you can check out the whole, all the details of it in our little video over at TomHartman.com. Thanks again for supporting the program. Steven in San Francisco, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. The Parnas thing I was going to ask you, why is it on the mainstream media right now? This is a, just a cracking story here of a, a possible hits. Yeah, I mean, I think they're starting to put the information out. Don't forget, I think it was just this morning it got released. And, you know, they're probably taking a little time to do their due diligence, absorb it. But also the impeachment managers got named, and that's the vote that we're going to be doing today in the House. And I think the media has literally been building up for days around that story. So I still think it has a good chance to, Stephen, um, but luckily it's coming out through other channels. And again, this is going to be, I think, part of the conversation moving forward in the Senate impeachment trial. Bill in Clifton, New Jersey, you're on the Earth Congress from Pocan. My worry is that the public is not quite understanding where the candidates are. They're talking about big things, Medicare and everything. There's a lot of little low-hanging fruit that you could offer that would bring more people into the fold, such as repeal Trump's where, where you couldn't deduct things as a businessman. If you're a trucker, he got rid of that ability to deduct that. And there are plenty of truckers and people who are single businessmen who would like to have that money back for their per diem. And also repealed the Reagan-era tax raises on the middle class by restoring the ability to write off all personal interests, including credit card interest, and repealing the income tax on Social Security. And there's a crowd there that would love that as well. And there were just so many things. Repealed income tax on unemployment insurance, which Reagan put in. People can grab onto that and understand it a lot more than Medicare. Yeah, I, I hear you, Bill. I, I think, you know, let me give you an example. There was a poll, I believe, in November, and I've got it actually in front of me. Swing voters in Wisconsin, they did Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and I think one other state. Um, among swing voters, uh, so not Democrats or Republicans, number one issue, popularity, was pathway to citizenship for immigrants from what the issues they tested. Number two, Green New Deal, 65% of people who are swing voters versus 31% think that's a good idea. So there are some issues that I think people are talking about. It's really the very fair disdain for the special interest influence in Washington, the culture of corruption that Donald Trump has just put in a different class of people who are really stealing from people across the country. The fact that people care about economic issues, which health care is an economic issue. If you don't have health care for your family, you're in economic uncertainty, but you need a good wage and a good job. Those issues are up there. And I just think, you know, right now what you saw last night were, again, people, a lot of people who 
largely agree with each other. And they were treating each other pretty fairly because that's what you do maybe when you're running in a primary. And I think that is just something to be expected. But I think when you compare and contrast with Donald Trump trying to take away people's health care and pre-existing coverage, and then you look at what he did to the tax breaks for the wealthiest, that's where you'll see the real contrast coming out a bit more. I really think one of the things that you saw were Democrats realizing they're not going to attack each other, that they're going to attack Donald Trump, which is different than we saw in the first debates. Personally, I think that's a good thing. The goal is to defeat Donald Trump, and we should all be focused on that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think way too much attention is being paid to whether women should run for president. That's it's just... But anyway, Congress trying to manufacture a divide. Oh, yeah. I think CNN was trying to jack up the ratings for the for the, uh, you know, for the debate. Check the third way's Twitter account today and watch more of the garbage. Yeah, there you go. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. You are listening to the program where despair is not an option. Join us. Get out there. Get active. We'll be right back. Alan in Bellevue, Washington. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Congressman Pocan, I am reading that uh, the administration is thinking of yet another tax cut for the middle class, like the last one worked out so well. Instead of, you know, giving the millionaires and billionaires $20,000, as a percentage, why don't we just average the entire tax cut over every taxpayer, excluding corporations? First of all, the problem is that tax cut uh, that, like 86% in a few years goes to the top a few percent. Almost none of the money is going to really be seeing the vast majority of America was an unfunded tax cut. So that takes money, first of all, and adds to the debt and deficit, but second, takes money away from things like health care and education and other purposes. So just repurposing a cut that wasn't really reform, but just a cut for the wealthiest, I don't know if is the best uh, alternative, there may be better ideas about how to handle that and maybe just repealing some of what we've done rather than just redistributing it and then using the funds to invest in things that we need to as a government. So um, I know the point you're trying to make, Alan. I just think uh, I don't want to get lost on the rhetoric that they put out there that somehow this wasn't an unfunded tax cut that we're all now paying for so very few people will actually benefit. Mike, in truth or consequences, New Mexico, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Good morning. My question is this. Are the senators required to attend the impeachment or can they abstain? Mike, I can't say with 100 percent. I heard you have to be there and you can't leave like Washington once it starts, which, as you can imagine, is a problem for a few of them who are running for president right now with uh, a few primaries coming up. So I know the the process is going to start next Tuesday in the Senate exactly how long. I'm not sure if we're clear what their process is going to be in the Senate, but I do expect that senators will all be there for this. This won't be something where people aren't attending. George in Cutler, Maine. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Basically, I'm talking about uh, election reform and campaign reform. I'd like to express my frustration last night. I live in a rural area here in Maine, and I have to have DISH TV in order to see anything. And I've got a basic package, which does not include CNN. So last night when I went around trying to find the debates, I ended up in at the very end going to C-SPAN and then going to Fox News, where both of them had a big rally for Trump. And I, I, yeah. I was besides myself with the inability for people to go and get the facts from these debates uh, and that we have to essentially buy our access to those debates. And I'd like that to go back to some sort of public service. And, and you know, I've got too many things to, to add, but I'd just like to take your response off the air. Sure, George. Thank you for that. Um, I think part of it is they have different sponsors for different debates, so where they appear sometimes depends on the sponsors. Um, But I I understand I live in a rural town of 830 people with no town center. I just got Internet a little over a year ago, so uh, I I feel your pain. I have a satellite as well because that's the only way we get television. I do, uh, last night in Washington, D.C., I do not have cable, but I do have Internet. I actually went to the CNN website because they were the sponsor of this particular debate, and that's what I've done on every debate when I've been in Washington. I go to the sponsor's website that's usually got it streaming live. So that may be um, not the best answer, but at least it's an answer for people who are in the situation like you are. Uh, Watching it on the Internet, at least you could stream it and see the debate. But I think when they get to the debates that are going to be between the final nominee, those will be televised much more broadly, and I think you'll have an opportunity to see those. 
Dave in Federal Way, Washington. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, Congressman Pocan. Now, I'm not saying these comparisons are accurate, but it's what I've been thinking ever since this um, began with Donald Trump. I've been thinking of Martin Scarelli, the hedge fund manager, now convicted yeah. felon and you know pharmaceutical gouger. The um, you know, and I've also been thinking about Vladimir Putin, who just changed governments already. Analysts are saying that this is his attempt to consolidate power and reach out to the West. Look, the reality is there's a different uh, there's a different justice system between the wealthy and the poor. The the wealthy can reinvent themselves. I think that's what's going on with Donald Trump. He's just trying to reinvent himself as some sort of George Washington character. And um, you know, he, he, you so know, Dave, what's your question? Yeah, my question is this. Uh, they, they keep getting hints that there's going to be an attempt at a rolling impeachment. If Donald Trump continues to break the law, continues to flaunt you know, his, his power and abuse his power, that there will be follow-on articles of impeachment. Um, do, would you support that? Do you support that? You know, if, he, if, this, is a, if this is a kangaroo trial and, and you know, he gets acquitted by the Senate. Yeah, Dave. I mean, if more information comes out, um, absolutely. I think, you know, we need to hold the president accountable. The problem is his uh, appointed attorney general has made the Department of Justice uh, a joke that they have, they're living by the rule that you can't indict a sitting president, which leaves one and only one follow-up for as long as someone is a sitting president is the uh, impeachment process. So we absolutely, as Congress, have to take that very seriously um, and do what we can uh, during the time that Donald Trump would still be president if he has indeed broken crimes and we have additional evidence. So uh, right now, this is the, the process that's going to the Senate. I think everyone will be paying attention. But clearly, more information comes out, it seems like, weekly. And uh, ultimately, I think the American people are going to be the real jury on this. And uh, looking at November 2020, you know, the last poll I saw had a significant majority saying the president should be impeached and removed from office. And it keeps growing. Mike in Detroit, Michigan. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, Tom. How are you doing? Good. And uh, Congressman. Uh, well, actually, I had a question about uh, that uh, the tax uh, money or tax funds being used. I asked you about this before, Tom. Paying off uh, the sexual harassment suits. I wanted to get that question to any of the candidates, but uh, the, the debates are over, so I don't know if we'll ever get an answer to it. Maybe I'd like to know how you feel about it. Uh, exposing or uh, revealing who uh, was paid off in those tax or paid off ta uh, sexual harassment suits with tax funds. And if I could real quick, uh, all these uh, entitlements that are being proposed, uh, free health care, uh, school, uh, do you, does anybody up there ever really worry about bankrupting the country? Yeah, Mike, so to the first part, I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about. The second part, um, let me uh, answer it this way. It's where you spend your money in priorities. When you provide a $2 trillion tax cut for the wealthiest, that is a tax expenditure. That is no different than if you spent money on education or health care uh, or anything else. So the, the priority of the president and the Republicans in Congress was to give their donors and the wealthiest and the special interest a giant tax break, and they got just that. Um, also, I would argue uh, we need to trim back our defense spending, and all of those things can go to pay for programs that would help real people, uh, like uh, things like health care and education. So it's really a matter of priorities, um, it's n and nothing about bankrupting. That's rhetoric that comes out of Fox News. Uh, but the reality is uh, when you do a tax cut that costs $2 trillion and benefits a very, very, very small amount of people, that's just a bad idea but it's an expenditure that could have gone to valuable purposes. Carmen, or is it Carmine, in uh, Whitefish, Montana? You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Oh, nice to speak to you, Congressman. Um, what I wanted to know was, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a veteran, and I've, and I've had three tours in Vietnam, and, and I love this country. Uh, I consider this country now the United States of Russia, and I consider our Supreme Leader Putin, and I consider the, his sock puppet Trump. Now, what I want to know is, do you think that we could hold the entire uh, Senate, uh, the Congress, I mean, the Senate, uh, Republican Senate, complicit in the crime of the overthrow of this democracy? 
Yeah, Carmen, I think I'll answer it this way, and I hope I'm answering your question as directly as possible. I think the American people are going to hold the Republican Senate accountable if they make this a sham trial, Um, because clearly uh, right now Mitch McConnell and and Lindsey Graham, uh, Donald Trump's best bet, uh, are indicating it's going to be that. But at the end of the day, the people have the ultimate vote in November, and elections have consequences, and we just need to make sure that we're all as pissed off as you are right now uh, and getting out and getting voters out. I mean, in Wisconsin in 2016, when you had a 250,000 Dem voter drop-off, elections had consequences. Donald Trump won by 23,000 votes, and that's where our electoral college votes went. So we have to watch closely like you're doing. We have to be outraged if that's what they do. Claudio in uh, Weathersfield, Connecticut, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thank you. Thank you for having my question, Congressman. I'm from uh, Connecticut, Congressman, and here's the question that I have. It's, it's reconciling the fact that um, I live in a state that has a, you know, we're one of the top states for income inequality, and I'm a big believer in the Medicare for All. I'm a big mm-hmm. Sanders fan, and the majority of the people in my state are going to try to stay centrist because we're really reliant on uh, the uh, military industrial complex. We got huge companies, United Technologies, Lockheed Martin, Electric Boat, and then on the pharmaceutical side, we got the Pfizer's. You know, for the insurance industry, we're the insurance capital of the world. How are you going to reconcile that you're going to be able to do something to help people when our political people, it's in their best interest to basically stop? doing things that would help people. Because if you remember, Joe Lieberman, who came from my state, we didn't get a public option under Obama because he was ready to filibuster it. And it's a big, big decision because right now in Connecticut, they're squeezing the middle class so much because we have a huge debt service that we have to have because of our liabilities, because we're really a union-run state that we have to pay that. So how do you get the people like the Larsons and the, the people that are our congressmen and our senators, Murphy and Blumenthal, to, to change when it would destroy the state to go to something that will help people, you know? I mean, yeah. in the middle class, I keep saying it's bankruptcy or death in Connecticut because we're just... Claudio, you know, let's get the I, I answer. I really want to know what to do. Thank you. Yeah, so, so Claudio, I, I think it's a similar answer as I gave to Carmine is we just have to be upset enough that we're forcing our elected officials to represent our views. And I never realized how bad it was in Washington until I came here. I've been here now seven years. And when you look at the power of the special interests and the wealthy and the well-connected in this town, it is immense. And we just have to stand up and fight against it, which is why a lot of the messages from Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, I think, hit that tone very strongly last night. Yeah, amen. So would you like to watch the Tom Harbin program, all three hours of our program, anytime you'd like? Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Tom Harbin, T-H-O-M-H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, all run together. When you become a supporter of the program through Patreon, you have access to the full three-hour show anytime you want, and special content that we put up every single week that is unique specifically to our Patreon page. So check it out, Patreon.com slash Tom Harbin. Thank you. Marta in Big Bear Lake, California. You are on the air with Congressman Pokian. Since the best independent estimates are that we would save between $2 and $5 trillion over 10 years, uh, should we implement Medicare for all? And the media continues to uh, attack Bernie Sanders and Medicare for all. Uh, should people actually do their own research, like read the Senate bill and how Bernie Sanders' uh, plan would be funded? There are numerous options. Should we just listen to sound bites and gotcha questions? Marta, I agree. The debate has unfortunately taken a very special interest heavy tone by trying to say why you can't do what 30 plus countries on the planet already do is provide health care for their citizenry and they're not bankrupt. So it's a ridiculous premise to begin with. I think what we need to do is talk about the value, not so much the dotted I's and cross T's of any plan, because those plans could still change as they go through a Congress. The idea that no one should go bankrupt because they have a health issue. No one should not have health insurance 
because they're sick uh, or have a pre-existing condition. Uh, women shouldn't pay more than men for health insurance. Uh, the idea that everyone uh, in, a, in a democracy as great as the United States should have access to that health care. I think when we talk about the value, we will connect far more with people uh, on the issue, and uh, we'll... There, there's plenty of savings if you think about it. When I think what Bernie Sanders has tried to say in several debates, and I don't think you know in the short amount of time they have that's been able to get out there, people will not have copays anymore. People will not have uh, deductibles anymore. When you start deducting that, uh, that is a significant economic boon to real people, and everyone will have health care. We need to talk about those values out of it and not let the special interest, and unfortunately some of the politicians that pair it, the special interest concerns uh, get away with it. So I, I think there's a good place for us yet on this, Marta. Gail in Antelope, California. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Can the Congress file a censure motion against that Mike Pompeo? I was very alarmed about what went on with that Maria Ivanovich. It really sounds like they were, were planning on assassinating her, and it's his job to protect her. So can you file a censure motion against him and also that evil box troll of an attorney general? I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you. Yeah, um, Gail, the simple answer is I'm sure we could. There's a lot of people you can file censure resolutions against. I, I think what we all need to remember is this information just came out, right? And let's have a chance to look at it and see how people respond and what the committees might be able to do. But this is all a couple hours old. But just to your exact question, I'm sure we could censure a number of officials if we chose to. I think right now we're really just trying to get the truth out and then again show what Donald Trump and his administration have essentially been complicit with. Would uh, you know further in investigation of these documents that Lev Parnas released, mm -hmm. would that be done in, in the House by the Intelligence Committee? Intelligence, possibly judiciary, would be my two that I would, and first guess, take a look at. She was an ambassador, too. Would that be foreign something or other? Yeah, it could be under Elliot Engel's committee as well. So yeah. that's part of this being a couple hours old, why we will have more information, I think, as time comes on. Merle in Seattle. Merle, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. A couple of Fridays ago, I was speaking with Tom about his defining of socialism as opposed to what democratic socialism is. And I was suggesting that Bernie is indeed suggesting a form of uh, seizure or takeover of the energy sector. This didn't enter into the debate. I know the debate is constantly speaking of how are the Democrats going to be paying for this? How How is that funding going to ever take place. I see in his Green New Deal, which he just barely mentioned in this last debate, that it does suggest that we are going to have one free electricity, promise, promise, promise. <laughs> uh, we're going to have 99% of our energy requirements replaced by uh, electricity, renewable, we hope. He's also suggesting by way of that, we would further free ourselves from any kind of association with that energy sector by having to remove all of our troops, which he suggests. Do you see that's the needed uh, article that we need and support for the programs that Bernie's suggesting and also a definition of why we should get out of the Persian Gulf? I think a lot of people want to get lost in what they say the Green New Deal is. What the Green New Deal, I think, to most Americans is, is that we have done nothing as a country to try to address climate change. We've had several studies telling us we may be past the point of no return. We have to act now. And there is a lot of job creation that can come out of really making ourselves more energy dependent on things that uh, don't rely on more traditional uh, ways we've done energy. And it's, it's, it is an imminent threat, to use the word imminent correctly, as opposed to Donald Trump. Uh, that's what this means, and it's a call to arms that we need. Uh, and that's why those independent voters in Wisconsin, that was one of their top issues. Two out of three people thought that. So I think a lot of people want to say what the Green New Deal is in some lost details that don't necessarily relate to climate change. It's a call to action, and it's a desperate call to action for us to do something. James in North Hollywood, California. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. I'm working on a documentary with uh, Alan Minsky at KPFK concerning homelessness in America. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder, what is Congress doing about homelessness? Because we have about 60,000 people here in L.A. that are not sheltered. So what is your answer to that? Yeah, there's a number of pieces of legislation that have been introduced most recently. I know Ilhan Omar has a major piece of legislation. There's another one I just signed on to this morning that I'm forgetting uh, dealing with homelessness. But... There are a number of bills that we would love to move forward if we had a, a Senate that might be more cooperative and a president that might care about people who are homeless in a more serious way. So 
Short answer is there are a number of pieces of legislation that are looking at ideas like housing for all and trying to really address this. A lot of bills introduced uh, around things like homeless veterans and specific populations. The reality is, much like every bill that we pass, we have a, a wall, and that wall is, is Mitch McConnell right now, and we've got to figure out how to get through that. Bill in Sun City, Arizona. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Congressman, I'm afraid we're going to do half the job. Where are the articles of impeachment against Mike Pence? We all know he's in it up to his eyeballs. Yeah, I, I don't think that it's come through. And when you look at all the information we've got, uh, his name has not popped up uh, in the same way, obviously, that Donald Trump has and the calls he's had in the direction from the president. So what we're moving on is where we have the information we have, especially when you don't have witnesses. What are your thoughts on what we should be looking for in this coming week as we go forward? Yeah, I can't speak for the Senate because they're going to be here. But for the House, next week we are in district. So this is another great chance to talk to your House representatives, see if they have town halls, try to get together and be heard. But, you know, we're going to be moving forward with some labor legislation, the PRO Act, to make it easier for workers to organize. We're going to be having infrastructure legislation uh, moving in the coming months. Uh, The week we come back, we're taking up Barbara um, Lee's uh, repeal of the 2002 AMF and Ro Khanna's uh, stopping funding going to Iran will be coming before the House. There's a lot of activity happening, uh, especially in the House of Representatives, so be heard and contact your members of Congress so that uh, you can get your views across. Get out there and show up for the town halls and things like that, right? Be an active participant in democracy. There you go. Congressman Bokan, thanks so much for dropping by again this week. Of course, Tom. Thank you, as always. Great talking with you. And Congressman Pocan's website is pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. He's the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus and represents the 2nd District of Wisconsin. 2020, a new year. It's the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlighting the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Tony in Long Beach, California. Hey, Tony, what's up? Hey, Tom, I just want to say to everybody supporting Elizabeth Warren, I just wonder why did this conversation come up now, two days before the debate and then 30 days out from Iowa? To me, it looks like, a, you know, she's grasping for some straws, because if that's the case, why didn't she say this earlier if it was said, what, over a year ago? Yeah, two years ago. Yeah, or more than a year ago, yes. Yeah. Right. So why now? And this this seems well. I think it's fairly obvious, Tony. It's 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 an effort to reduce support for Bernie, and particularly among women. Exactly. But then here he held up, just as you said, running to help her. So to me, that's a backstabber. And 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 as far as I'm concerned, as a black female, the fact that she claimed being the first woman of color to be tenured at Harvard, which was a lie. It was Lonnie Guineer. Okay, mm-hmm. so I did that research. So it's just, she just comes up with stuff when it's to her benefit. And that says a lot about her character, if you ask me. Well, it could be. The the, the stuff with Harvard and, and Native American, I think, has been largely overblown, Tony. Uh, she wasn't making those claims to get any kind of benefit or anything. That was on one of those forms where you list your ancestry. And she oh, believed that, that to be the case. That. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying the fact that they touted her as this woman of color when she was not. And she did. She didn't say anything. I don't care. I'm probably more Native American than she is, you know, but that's not the issue. Exactly. It's her actually probably knocking out a, a, a legitimate black female or other 
uh, woman that would have legitimately been the first tenured person. They had to eventually admit that. Okay. Okay. I'm not familiar with that, Tony, so I can't speak to it. But what I but what I do think is that this is going to hurt Elizabeth Warren. Somebody in her campaign, I, I find it hard to believe that Elizabeth Warren came up with this idea. I think that somebody in her campaign sat her down or sat a whole bunch of people down and said, "Okay, it's 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 getting real. And if we don't take down Bernie, there's no chance that either one of us is going to become president. It's going to be Joe Biden. And so this is our last chance. We've got to pull all the tools out of the chest or whatever, you know, the knives out of the out of the knife block. And this was the one that they decided to use against Bernie. And I, I think, frankly, and I think that's fairly obvious. Right. And I think that it's going to backfire badly on her, which I think is just a tragedy because I, I love her positions and I think she's a strong candidate. And I don't see why they couldn't have gotten together since people hate Bernie so much. Why, still, they could have gotten together and said, look, if you get the nomination, I'll be your vice. Let's do this together. Well, she's doing something dirty. I understand politics, but neither one of them are in the position to do dirty stuff like that. Yeah. Although, you know, uh, she's got Julian Castro now campaigning for her around the country. And and Bernie's got Ro Khanna campaigning for him around the country. One's Hispanic. The other's, uh, well, they're both people of color, let's say. And they're both solid vice presidential potentials. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure that either one of them would pick the other as a, as a vice president. And uh, so, I, you know, I just don't know how this shakes out, but I don't like it. I, I don't know how to say it beyond that. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Back with more of the news of the day in your calls. It's the Tom Hartman Program. Talk media for the sane among us. Yes, we're still here. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. Boy, there's a lot going on. I'm going to pick up your phone calls in just a second, but I just wanted to share a couple things with you. I just got an email from uh, Donald Trump. (laughs) <laughs> from the Trump-Pence campaign. The headline, breaking, Nancy Pelosi announces vote to send articles of impeachment. Fred, it's about time. Nancy and her liberal public puppets impeached me a month ago and have since been holding the articles of impeachment hostage. I did nothing wrong. Read the transcript. You know, and he goes on to say that uh, this hoax is going to happen. You know, the, it goes on to the Senate where the hoax will finally go to trial and show the world who she really is, a lying and manipulative hypocrite who never had any evidence of wrongdoing against me. Their pathetic attempts to remove me from office are not only an attack on me, but they're an attack on you, Fred. They're trying to undo the 2016, and that's in all caps, undo the 2016 election like it never happened by all caps, silencing millions of votes. We can't let them get away with this, Fred. That's why I'm activating an emergency 2020 impeachment defense fund. And I'm calling on my most loyal and fierce defenders like you, Fred, to step up to the front lines of this nasty battle and fight back. Please contribute $42 right now to the emergency 2020 impeachment defense fund to defend your president from this impeachment scam. You can also contribute $250 or $100. Jerry in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Hey, Jerry, what's up? Hey, I just wanted to uh, bring everybody's attention that during Yovanovitch's testimony, she made a comment that she was called out of a meeting and told to leave Ukraine immediately. Yes. And she testified to that, sort of tied together with the stuff that was announced today with Lev Parnoff. Yeah, it looks like her actual physical safety was at risk. And looking at these text messages, it looks like this guy who wants to run for Congress in Connecticut, this Republican, you know, big time donor to the Trump campaign and and Trump fanboy talking like he could get a hitman. You know, we can solve your problem. You know, you can do anything in Ukraine with money. Really? Right. Well, then that there was a real risk. And so she was told to get out. Right. So kind of confirms that. Yeah. Thanks, Jerry. Ali in New Durham, New Hampshire. Hey, Ali, what's up? I'm also commenting on the Bernie Warren fiasco. And I just wanted to say that it seems to me like a lot of Bernie's campaign and his supporters online keep attacking Warren and saying that she's an elitist and a corporatist Democrat and so on and so forth. And... If people want Warren to come out and clear up the the the, the recent her recent basically clapback at Bernie, then maybe he should come out and clarify that 
Warren isn't waffling on Medicare for all and that she's not a corporatist Democrat like all his campaign and his supporters. Yeah, I'd like to see both of them clean all this stuff up. I'm, I'm with you. And I, you know, I, and I've heard all these things, you know, both here and, you know, in other venues. Ali, thank you. Uh, Bradley in Rockford, Illinois. Hey, Bradley. Hey, Tom, how you doing? First, Good. I want to thank you for the work that you do. And you have taught me so much about the history of politics. Thank you. And the descent into right wing uh, conservatism of both parties. Thank you. So thank you very much for that. I just wanted to express that I believe that if this election comes down to either Biden, Warren or Bernie up against Trump, it's about I think either of those three are going to win. Just oh, yeah. Any of any of those three of can Trump easily beat Trump. Trump. Yeah. Easily. Here's my thing. Here's my thing, though, is if it's a close election, I think that we're going to have a real trouble. And it's been expressed, you know, I'm Bill Maher, and I've heard others express that I, I feel the same way. If it's a close election, it's going to be a real, what's going to happen with Trump? He's not going to leave office. Yeah. So really, to me, is how are we going to beat Trump and how are we going to beat him bad? My conclusion, when I look at the candidates, Bernie Sanders has the young people and he has the coalition of the working class to do that because if you have every faithful d voter who votes they're going to vote for I, the nominee no matter who it is but yeah I, I, bradley i agree with in. you I, and i've said before i think that if we have a progress a genuinely progressive ticket that there will be more enthusiasm coming out of the base and the margin of victory will be larger but i think frankly trump has screwed things up so badly that any democrat can beat him i hope I mean, you know, we all thought this about Hillary Clinton four years ago. So, you know, knock wood, I suppose. But, you know, you just look at, at what's going on. Anyhow, we'll continue the conversation tomorrow. Thanks so much for being with us today. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag your it. And please tell your friends where they can find progressive voices in the media. Share the good news. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.